I'm Paul Hamill and you're listening to the Grassroots Coach Podcast, a podcast for grassroots soccer enthusiasts. Literally, when you think back, Paul, I mean, I can't remember a day that I didn't go out the ball playing against, usually playing against a lot older players, you know. We'd have um, competitions, we'd be innovative in terms of, um, we'd have a little cul-de-sac and a couple of lads came up with a bright idea, we need goals, we couldn't afford goals, so... They got a couple of trolleys from the local Tesco's or Gubes at the time was, brought them down, turned them over, pulled the top up, and you had a little square gate. Mm. So we used to put them on both ends, and they were our goals. And um, But it was a, for me, you know, foot, it was football every day. It was practically 24-7, mm. um, whether it be down with the Belvo or back in the streets of Inglis, um in the fields. And that's what it was until, you know, um, until I went away to the UK. In this episode, I speak with Martin Russell, former manager of UCD and Limerick Football Club, and Aaron Callahan, former manager of Longford Town and Bohemians, both pro-license holders, where we discussed their schoolboy careers and their experiences playing for two of the top clubs in England at the time, Man United and Stoke City. I want to bring you back to your, your early careers. So the, the podcast is about grassroots football and the context, I suppose, is that that has changed so much, particularly particularly with Brexit coming in, uh, which means that Irish players can only uh, sign a contract in, in England now when, when they're 18. And I know you lads would have went over when you were a lot younger. And I'm interested in what that was like, if you can remember back to being, being a young lad and leaving home. And uh, I'm sure it wasn't easy. And then maybe what, what the experience football-wise was uh, like while you were there. And you were there, I mean, I just looked up earlier, I think you were there near 10 years each, maybe Aaron slightly longer than Martin. So it was a, a, quite a long time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, again, big, for big me... Part, big part of your life, you know? It was, Paul. I mean, going, going back to that period, I mean, I, I, for myself, um, I've been at Belvedere, what you see, from the age of eight, um, Played a lot of um, all, my, all my football there in the schoolboy section and, and street football then, um, you know, when I wasn't training with the Belleville. So, um, I, I'm the, sorry to cut across you. What, what do you mean by street football? Literally just out in the park li- or on li- the road? Or? Literally, when you think back, Paul, I mean, I can't remember the day that I didn't go out with a ball playing mm. against, usually playing against a lot older players, you know. Mm. And um, from the times when I was bowling, um, first of all, in Ballymun, as a very small one. Um, but then even in Fingless, um, from probably the, I was there from the age of seven and around that time, I'd be playing with 10, 11 year olds, 12 year olds. We'd have um, competitions. We'd be innovative in terms of we'd have um, no goals on the road. Um, we'd have a little a cul-de-sac and a couple of lads came up with a bright idea. We need goals. We couldn't afford goals. So they got a couple of trolleys from the local Tesco's or Gubes at the time was, brought them down, turned them over, pulled the top up and you had a little square gate. So we used to put them on both ends and they were our goals and um, stuff like that. Then we'd end up playing against, I'd say, all the players on the green and some of the fathers would be coming out. But it was a, for me, you know, foot, it was football every day. It was practically 24-7, mm-hmm. um, whether it be down with the bell or, or back in the streets of Inglis, um in the fields. And that's what it was until, you know, um, until I went away to the UK. And Martin, were, were you always good as, as a as a young player, were you always, were you one of the better lads in the team or, or not um, early? I, used to, um, it would be, I would imagine it was the same for Aaron that, you know, in your area, you, you know, if there was a, a, a 
a game going on at school, you were in the school team, you know, if you were again with your mates, you know, there was it was always different teams. But um, you know, you you at then then what happened with what happened with the Belleville team because Belvedere was was far enough away. Belvedere was based in Clontarf and Finglas. It was a big, big, uh, big distance for a young eight-year-old to maybe consider to go down to. But what happened was somebody who had connected with Belvedere had organized um some some games against the local talent in Finglas and the Belvedere came out and they recruited. So, so they recruited four or five of us of their age. And uh, I remember them coming up to knock at the house and, you know, saying, we want them, um, we want your son to join Belvedere. And the mom said, well, where's Belvedere? And he said, mm. we're down in Clontarf. He said, how did he going to get the eight years of age to Clontarf? Mm. And to be fair to Belvedere, um, it would have been Vinnie Butler at the time, I think, that would have said, listen, we'll arrange, we'll arrange collection here at the end of the street or whatever, we'll, we'll bring them back. So the other five boys, you know, were um, all, I think we had at least five at a time, because I remember, I don't even be allowed now, I think at times... The, car, the, car, the cars are bigger back then. Well, at times coming home from matches, before he dropped up the fingers, they were dropping somebody the cabaret. So yeah. we had about six or yeah. seven in the car. Yeah. Um, but it, that, 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 that was my recollection of sort of the early years of football. Really, okay. With the ball, twenty-four. Brilliant. Seven. And you know, we'll come back to just how your your move. I think it was Man United you, you went to to mm. begin with. But I want to go go to Aaron. Same question, Aaron. What what was it like for you as a as a yeah. young, youngster? Yeah, it would be you know, quite similar, really, to Martin. When you think about it, uh, I would have played for Lucan United from the age of eight years of age, and I think at nine years of age, I started playing under twelve. Um, so you weren't playing under tens, under nines. I just went straight into an under twelve team at the age of nine, and then I was playing at 10, under 12, and 11, under 12. Um, so I got about three, four years at under 12. Like, it was it was uh, pretty daunting at the start, you know, initially, because... Why, uh, why was that? Why, just because you were well, good? Well, no, it was pretty daunting yeah. for me at the time, because, you know, you'd come, as Martin says, you'd come from your, your state where football was 24-7. But why were you playing above the age at that, at that stage? Was oh, it because we playing, you, were, you, you could? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah. I showed a bit of promise, obviously, yeah. and... I would have been one of these early maturers, so I was obviously a little bit taller than mm. one of two of them at that age. And uh, we um, we had some good sides. We, you know, we were playing some good football. There's some great football people out here in Lucan who have since departed, and they put all their efforts as volunteers into the club. Um, and, and to see the club now, Martin works at it now, and I've done a little bit with them myself. Like, I think there's over 750 players up there now. But mm. when we started off, and there wouldn't have been that many teams. I think there would have been only about five, six teams within the, within the club, like... And uh, so I had about three, four years at under 12. And as well, as Martin says, they're playing a lot of football out on, literally on the road, outside your house. And, and you know, we did add, we put bins down as goals. We put, we put cans, empty cans down as goals. We put tires, anything that you could find to put down as goals. And it was literally like that. You just joined up. You know, the next person that sort of came in just sort of joined in and you found a level. But the one thing I always remember about the street football was it was actually played at a decent intensity. Like, and, and results mattered, you know, if you lost, you know, it was a case of going in sulking. But it could be street against street, of course, couldn't it? Well, it was yeah. probably, yeah, yeah. It was like a certain number of houses in our state against a certain number of houses. Yeah. It, was small, it was a small enough estate. There was yeah. 121 houses. There was 121 houses in Sarsfield Park where I was brought up. And uh, we actually got three very, very talented players to go on and play at a high level. Alan Clark, who went to Germany at the time, and Martin Murray, who I played with at Crusaders. Um, so, you know, we, we had an awful lot of good young players, and Martin would have the same story. There would have been an awful lot of good young players um, within that certain area. Like, and we all went to Lucan United initially. And mm. then at under 13, uh, the manager that was managing us at under 12, 
we got promotion and work and we actually couldn't find anybody we couldn't find anyone to coach the team at under 12 so we're under 13 we were sort of um, in a void we were looking for somewhere to go and uh, to be fair to the manager that was leaving he was working with a guy from Lurid Celtic up in the waterworks in Nislip and he got in touch with me and then I ended up going out to uh, two of us ended up from that team the under 12 team going out to play for Lourdes under 13 so that's that was how the connection with Lourdes for me uh, was Brian it was just the fact that we actually couldn't get any coaches or managers to manage that team at that particular time. Mm, yeah, yeah. Just, just if you go back to, I think you mentioned the, the, the case of when you were younger and, and it was the case at the time that when I joined at Belvedere, I joined as an eight-year-old, but there was no, first of all, there was no eight, under eight leagues. So the only leagues that started were under 12. And also it was 11 a side pitch. Yeah. So we were, we were an eight-year-old team playing against an under 12 team for nearly four years in a row. So we started off, I remember, I think it was 8F. The following year, we're 8D, 8B. So by the time, oh, sorry, 12, on the 12, sorry, on the 12F, 12D, 12, and, and until we got to 12A, which, which is when we were 12. So for the three previous years, we were given two or three years away, getting hammered sometimes, playing on a massive pitch, but we kept coming back until we, we yeah. got to the age. I think that was the case in point for everybody at that time. No small side of games, big yeah. pitch, um, under eight playing the under twelves. Yeah, yeah. And, and before I go to your when when you ended up going to England, did you play other sports at that time? I presume I mean, in school, school you probably did. Yeah, for me, it was, for me, it was the the Gaelic in school was the only other one that you, you know you were encouraged mm. to play and, and we play and we, you know um, that was the only other one. But other than that, it was it was football all the way. But you were soccer. You were oh, soccer, soccer was your thing. Yeah. Very yeah. much so, yeah. Much so. Aaron, same for you? Yeah, no, yeah I, 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 I would, if you ask my grandfather, and to this day he'll tell you, he, he felt that I was a better Gaelic player than I was soccer player. And mm. he used to watch me all around the country. Um, and he'd, he'd turn up at school matches uh, and, you know, he'd go down and see him that weekend and he'd literally go through every minute with you. He was a fantastic um, uh, guide for me in relation mm. to, you know, playing sport and keeping sport at, at that level up. Like, sure. Um, and just before I signed for Stoke, actually, there was, there was a, an Australian schools trip that got picked, selected from the secondary schools and I actually got picked on it. And Noel Quinn was on the same one. Um, to, go to, to go to Australia? To go to Australia. Wow, to, to, represent, rep, to represent Ireland. Um, that was that trip. trip was, that trip was happening in the April. Um, and it was the same year I signed for Stoke. And they wanted me over in, the, in that April to sign forms and do all the, you know, look around for digs, all that sort of stuff. Like, um, and, and I was good. I actually missed the trip. I couldn't actually go on the Australian trip in, uh, initially. Or when, when, the, when the trip, uh, I think it was April, I'm trying to think of the year. Uh, but that April, they got picked and they went away and they played the Australian rules. Noel Crin would have been in that squad, as I said. So I missed that trip. And um, the one part of me was sad because I missed it because I used to love playing the Gaelic, particularly at the school. And we had some good school teams. Uh, playing in you know in a lot of finals at that year, and uh, but the football at that stage had just taken over for me, and, and I think it was I think my grandfather was more upset when I didn't go to the Australian thing. Mm. Um, but it, you know it took off once I signed for Stoke. As I said to you that year, it sort of mushroomed from them. From there. Okay, just, um, and and I wanna I wanna get into a, a deep dive on your on your experience over there. But you mentioned your granddad, and we often talk about role models and mentors and some kind of I, I think it's interesting sometimes you, you might have you might have a mentor and maybe the mentor doesn't even know they're your mentor you know it might be somebody that you perceive as as being a role model for you it might have been a coach or whatever but particularly in your in your soccer anyone spring to mind so Aaron you mentioned your granddad um 
Anyone else? Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, I have my dad. My dad was, was, was brilliant. He never put any pressure on you. Mm. And when you're director of football down at a club like Cherry Orchard, like, and you can see the pressure some of the parents are putting on the kids. I don't know, Martin probably seen it in some clubs in Newfoundland. Some parents think their kids are the next Messi, and the pressure that they put on them is, is actually it's frightening at times. Mm. Uh, my father was very, very good at taking the pressure off me. He just said, look, go and enjoy it. Do what you have to do. He never really asked me about results. Um, he'd turn up at games, as I said, I wouldn't even know he was there. And he'd watch mm. a few. And he'd often, you know, he'd throw a question at you. What do you think of such and such, you know, if I, if I made a mistake? You know, he'd ask you mm. a question of it. But he never, never, ever put pressure on me. Like, and so he was just sort of in the background. And I always knew he was in the background there. Yeah. And I was yeah. my, my grandfather. And another guy, uh, Sean Murray, who was that manager at Lucan United. It was the guy that when that team was breaking up, Sean Murray was the one who, you know, who took it upon himself to say, look, Okay, I know the team's breaking up. I'm about to get promoted within the job situation. And he was the one who went and contacted Lourdes, and he was the one mm. who, who got me to the next level as far as people. Those three people, that coach, my father and my grandfather were three very uh, mm. influential people. Yeah, super stuff. Thanks for that. And Martin, how about you? Yeah, I suppose uh, in similar ways to Aaron, the, my father, but my father wasn't, um, none, none, none of the really family had football in the background. Uh, my father was, um, you know, he, he was a foundry worker who, who worked extremely hard even at weekends. So that sometimes even stopped him coming, possibly if he wanted to come to games even, you know. But he would always, you know, he'd be supportive along with the mother. Big mother was a big support. Um, she'd, she'd always be encouraging me to do well, but she'd be looking like the Belvedere situation, you know, she, how, how would he get back? She made sure that if I was going to go, that everything would be okay, you know. Um, so they were both ultra supportive that way. In terms of football, and I suppose, again, it was really learning along with the boys on the streets. So, you know, they, they were the ones that was interested in football. I was interested in football. And we challenged each other, as Aaron said. It would be quite, compet- it'd be quite competitive. Um, so you'd be looking at, at playing the game better than your mates, you know. And that's where you got your comp- competitive streak from at an initial stage until then you went to the Belvedere. And then the sort of coaching process for me would have began, you know, with the, under the likes of Noel O'Reilly and Eddie Foy and, as I said, Vinny and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and that's, that's how it would have it sprang off from there, you know. Okay, the when when you get that um, move or contract in England, I mean you're obviously very very young. Um, I presume you're, you're what's involved. Like I presume your your parents are involved, and is is is, the, is was it the dream at at that time? Was that the ultimate? This is what I want to do, and the, the opportunity came. And just tell me a little bit about what what it was like. Yeah, for me, for me, it was the dream because. Mm-hmm. If you remember back then, we had no social media at all. Like, I mean, you know, mobile phones, I've just never heard of them. Like, we, I think we didn't even have a phone in our house at home. Mm. You know, if, if anybody wanted to contact you, you used to go across to the neighbour at the time. It's amazing how our kids don't, can't even oh, put, get that in their, in their heads. It's just oh, a, it's, alien, yeah. It's mad, it is. It's, mm. it's, 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 it's unreal sometimes. So, you know, I mean, my passion came from Match of the Day. I mean, Match of the Day was the one program that you watched. Midway, you remember Midway Sports Special? Remember, I think it was a Wednesday Midway night, yeah, yeah. You, you, never miss, you never miss the Match of the Day, as I said, on a Saturday. Uh, like, so, to, uh, you know, to have that sort of dream and, mm, you know, yeah. at that stage, you knew you, were, you, you knew you were a little bit, you know, better than the players that you were playing against. You knew that. You sort of had an inkling of that, like, mm. um, and, you know, when you're going under 11s, under 12s, particularly when you got to under 12s, when I went to Lourdes, it was a real eye opener for me because now I was I was actually playing with better players. Mm. You know, Aaron Chute, Marcus Chute, Martin would have known all those. Jeff Doyle, but there would have been a really you know cohort of really good players from in the round. 
in and around the Cumlin area. And, uh, you know, they made me a better player. That team, that Lords under 13 and the 14 was obviously the team I went away from. Um, but funnily enough, and, and, and I always say to a lot of the coaches and a lot of players even nowadays is that, um, you know, the, the, I, I could never get into a Dublin, the district team at that age, under 14s, under 14s, even under 15s. I actually, I actually got an under 15 cap for Ireland before I actually, I never played for Dublin. Um, now, Mark would have probably played a lot in the Dublin district schoolboy squads and stuff like that, but it never seemed, it seemed to pass me by. Like, and it was one of those things that, you know, lived in my memory to say that, look, you know, you don't have to be on a part of that Dublin district schoolboy. You don't have to mm. be in those regional squads at an early age. You just have to have that little bit more belief in yourself and, and, and keep going. Like, um, whether that was a little bit of a driving factor, because I used to remember the squads coming out and I'd always turn around and say, how the hell am I not on that? Because I was playing well at the time. And, and you'd, be, you'd be getting the paper to whatever. And you'd, you'd be getting the paper to see yeah, your yeah, name in the squad. Yeah. Like, and, I remember a yeah. long list of names on it. Yeah, yeah you probably think yeah, it was probably, a typo maybe, or something. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it's to do with the fact that there were mostly Belvedere coaches running. Like, so yeah. Baron, Baron yeah. probably tell you that as well. Like, so. They happened yeah, to be, yeah. 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 You yeah. know, there was, to be fair to Belvedere, I think Belvedere, to be fair to Belvedere, around that time, I think they led the way if there was, so to speak, in player development, you know, even by going out and recruiting the likes of myself from Fingers, showed how proactive they were. And recruitment, you know, in, in any academy shape or form is, is, is ultra important. And um, so I think they had, I think Noel again, also Noel, who was very fortunate to be under. I think I remember Noel was one of the first coaches to get the A licence in, in the country, you know. So, you know, for me, being, being in that environment, um, you know, on, you know, on, I, I had the pleasure of working with Noel, uh, God rest him, but he comes up, his name comes up in every podcast, and we might just get into that a little bit later. I just think it's interesting, his name is, is so often mentioned. Mm. Um, Aaron, um, Stoke, were they, were they in the top division at the time? Yeah. They were? Yeah. And what, yeah, position, they, what position did you play? They, well, they signed me, I actually don't know where they signed me, to be honest with you. Because um, they seemed to play me at centre half, midfield, left back, right back, particularly in the you know in the younger age groups. It wasn't until about 17, 18 that they actually settled on a centre half position at the time. Albeit at 17, when I did sign in 85, 86, uh, they finished fifth that year in, in the old first division. So you know when you look back at the players that was playing for them at the time, you had uh, Sammy McElroy, Mickey Thomas, uh, you had Dave Watson, the old Dave Watson that used to be the England centre half. You had Phil Parkinson, the Wolves fullback. You had uh, Mark Chamberlain, Chapman, uh, Gar Crooks. I mean, they had some, you know, really, really talented players, and they were a talented squad. Like, uh, and to finish fifth in the top level at the top. What, year, what age? Not, what age were you then when you when you went? Well, over? I would have been 16, 16, yeah. So and and, and where did you go at that point over there? Like, what what level did you go in at? Uh, I went straight into the U team at okay. sixteen. So uh, I went straight into the U team. And um, uh, I signed for one year, actually, a one year apprentice and two year pro. That was the deal um, that, we, that we had. Like, and uh, the first year, we, that year, we actually got to the final of the U Cup, which was which is an amazing achievement. And, and I think uh, we ended up playing uh, Noel Quinn's Arsenal in the semi final and we beat them well. We ended up playing Everton in the final of the U Cup. And I don't think Stokes' U team had been in a final. I don't think they'd ever been in a final. So it was the first time in the, in the club's history that they got to a U Cup final. We, I remember we played Everton away and, and there was like 28,000 at the game away. Now, we, I think we drew the game one all and then we came back to the Victoria ground, the old Victoria ground, and there was about 24,000 at the game and we ended up getting beat 2-1 um, back in the Victoria ground. But that first year was just absolutely mad for me because, you, you know, you're going from a young kid 
you go and you're hitting the ground running, you're getting into a good youth team. There's a lot of youth players playing at the time um, who were good players from all over the country. I think we had one Spanish guy who was um, who was at the club at the time, and then the rest were mostly Scotland, England, and Wales and, and Ireland. And we, we really gelled together. We, we had a really good youth side, as I said. So, you know, that whole first year to get into the youth cup and to get all that sort of exposure around it was, was a great introduction for me. And Martin, I suppose you could say you got the dream move. I mean, everybody, not everybody, but lots yeah. of people would love to go to Man United. Yeah. Uh, how did that come about? Well, again, first of all, what happened with a trial, um, I, I went across as a trial. I think I would have been close to 30 and probably just a bit under with another Belvedere player. We went across, you then get invited back, you get invited back again, another trial, and then you get invited back on visits. And I think by the age of 14, um, 15, I was going, going back and across quite a bit to the extent that I think in the 15 year, before I was 16, I was nearly going over on a weekend playing for Man United's B team on a Saturday and playing for Belvedere on a Sunday. Wow. Um, and that, that was that was that was again me getting familiar with Manchester and 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 them, you know, with me. But it was what was interesting as well, just leading into the last year, we won a tournament in um, I think it was one of our we won a tournament in Montague for Ireland. And it was um probably one of the first trophies, I think Ireland would have won a football. Um so we won it um, on penalties. I think we beat, beat an Italian side. But I remember at the end of the, the tournament on the way home. Vinnie Butler, who's the manager, come up to me and says, um, Martin says, Anderlecht wants you to go on trial. You know? So wow. I'm saying to myself, hold on a minute. I'm, I'm struggling to speak English, never known Belgian. How am I going to go to Anderlecht? You know, you know what? It, it's just <laughs> going to be a great segue, Martin, into the current situation, you know, but carry on. Well, this is what's, in, this is what's mm. interesting as well. Yeah. So I practically wrote it off straight away, you know, mm. this year that, you know, I mean, going across on half an hour playing to England was far enough for me. Um, yeah. at that age but in hindsight and experience the type of player that I was would be more suited <laughs> to the type of game had anyone played. else had anyone else gone anywhere at that not, time that you, that, that you knew not, of well, yeah. definitely, definitely not at that age and, mm. and, 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 and it scared me a little bit mm. um, because again I, you say, I, I hadn't heard any, anybody going yeah at that and the language you know language <laughs> barriers all that stuff yeah, I'd never yeah. I'd never even gone for a visit you know but it was, I always found it interesting interesting after to think about that. Um, and the other option just came in at the, at the death before I agreed the contract with United was um, Eddie, Eddie Gray. Had, um, I had been to Leeds and he was formulating a very young setup there. And he said, if you come here, you'll be in the team, first team quite soon, you know. But I've been so familiar with the surroundings at, at Manchester that I sort of rode in there and, um, and I enjoyed my time there. But um, you look back, I'd say from a professional decision-making point of view, would you progress better, you know, in the style that um, in, uh, in Belgium, the type of player I was, would you progress more by getting, you know, the first team experience? Because when I went to Manchester, I think straight away, around 17, 16, 17, I was getting plenty of reserve games. But at that time, you weren't getting, there was no first team football unless it was a bit of a friendly here and there. So I spent probably three years before I left in the fourth year, went on loan. But in the, in the three years prior, a lot of youth team reserve football but little first team football. Um, but the end, like I said to you, from the playing point of view, would have been interesting to see how that would have worked out. Yeah, John John Morling on, on a recent podcast was talking about that. You know, you, you'll hear players going down the leagues on loan and stuff like that. And he was saying how I suppose they do try and match as best they can 
to the qualities mm. of the player. I'm sure, as you guys know, it's not a perfect science. So they're they're looking for a type of player, and you're obviously trying to get get experience for the player. Um, and and he was saying that in the context of whether that's going to a Europe on loan in mm. Europe or or leagues, and and he talks about how one person's idea of failure can also be reframed into a brilliant experience. You know, so if you if you get down the leagues and you get injured or whatever you know it could be perceived as you failed for example it might might have been the wrong uh, match for you or some will come back and just say the experience is great and, and you, you learned from it so what do you think on that martin in relation to your, your time at man united did you learn a huge amount oh, for your, your career huge amount. yeah i mean again i was fortunate in ways i mean it, it was it, it's a tremendous club now it was a tremendous club then and prior to that um one of the things that my the coach for the initial years would have been eric harrison who um, would have I said yeah, would have had the, the team of '92 was it with their Beckhams and um, okay the Nevilles and stuff like mm. that. There's a documentary, in fact, about them on that I caught quite recently that was interesting again and brought back memories. And even when you hear Neville talk about him, a lot of the stuff that he's referring to, we would have heard at first time as well. So from a football education point of view, Eric was a very good coach, and I said he would have been my first professional coach. So. You know, no qualms in going and, and learning under under the likes of Eric. Um, the problem was getting you know getting from the reserves into even first team opportunities at United. They just didn't come then. They hadn't won anything. There was no sort of squad rotation because if they were playing on Saturday, Brian Robson was playing on Saturday in the first team. Brian Robson was playing on Wednesday in the League Cup. You know, it was yeah. it was usually the same eleven. Uh, my other experience in England though at the time, I think from the day I went to England. Nearly the time I came back, I never remember playing not playing in a 4 4 2 against the 4 4 2. So, although you say I'm there, I was there 10 years, mostly in, in that period of, of football in the UK, it was 4 4 2 v 4 4 2. I don't know whether Aaron um, had any different experience, but I just seem to remember very little um, change in formations, um, sort of everybody playing similar ways that way. So I think the, the game has definitely moved on on, on from that. And it, it's become, as you said, pointed out, sort of more global in terms of players getting experience in different parts of the world and coming back from loan deals or whatever. Um, and it's moved on in that extent, yeah. I think, I think just to add to that as well, Martin, uh, I, I would have been second season, so I would have been 17 here at this stage. So I actually did go out on loan. I went out on loan to uh, Crew for three months. Crew was half an hour up the road at the time. And it would have been uh, anyone that would have played in the fourth division at that time um, mm. would have known you were in a match. And it was definitely, it wasn't the prettiest thing to watch um, when you were a spectator. It was, uh, you know, it, it was war of attrition. There's no doubt about that. Like, and if you see some of the characters that went back down and played uh, in that division at the time, you know, as a 17 year old, you know, being introduced to that. Um, but when I look back now, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it really, really taught me how to take care of myself on the pitch. Um, it was either, you know, I, I think, I think me, me father used to say at the time as well, he said, someone, he said, the one thing about it, he said, you may have, you have to make sure you get your retaliation in first now. Don't get it in afterwards. And, and, and it was a trait that I took everywhere I went because, you know, I've had so many broken noses and, and, and elbows and, and patches. And I would have been, you know, after that experience, after that three month experience, um, you know, it, it toughened me up as, as a man first, and as an individual and as a player second. Um, but at that time, when we were at that, at that level, it was 4-4-2. That was all it was. It was it was play like Jack Charlton, 
Um, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I know Jack got a lot of success doing it, but every club was doing the same thing. Like, um, but it wasn't until um, I went back. I actually made my debut for Stoke at 17. Then after the three months, uh, um, after that three months, I came back in. There was a couple of injuries at the club, and I ended up making my first team debut for Stoke um, against Aston Villa at home. Uh, sorry, Aston Villa away. And that would have been the Aston Villa team that would have won the European Cup probably the previous year, like, you know, with Nathan Shaw and Kenny Swain and people like that playing for them. Um, so without that three months, there's no way I don't think I would have been prepared to play in the first team. So that three and, months... And, was, and Mark, were you the same? Did you have to toughen up a lot while you were there? Well, as I, said, I, I, I didn't go on loan until the last, the last year. The last year, Ron Atkinson sent me out on loan to Birmingham. And that was where I made my professional debut. Um for them, and I spent two months, and it was endured in them two months that Ferguson came into United. So I was away at Birmingham. Kinker came back towards the end of the second month, and Ferguson was there. I just started off, and I'd been getting itchy feet because I said yeah, I'd not played first in football. So um, I, I remember the weather being quite bad. I think we played. A, I think I might have played a practice game or a half a friendly game with Ferguson. Actually, knocks there. Now, I don't know, again, I remember getting a call one day to the, to the digs. I picked the phone up and it was, it was Alex Ferguson. And he said, we've, we, he phrased it in a way that we've had an interest from Leicester. But, you know, if you, if you want to stay, you can stay. And I sort of, between reading the phone call saying, ah, I'm not wanted there and I'll go and talk to Leicester. And I talked to Leicester and Brian Hamilton was the master manager of Leicester at the time and he was saying we're playing West Ham and it was the first 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 division game which was the top league at the time he says we're playing West Ham on Saturday you'll be in the first team and West Ham had Liam Brady who was my idol mm -hmm. so I was faced with going straight now out of reserve football to play against Brady on a Saturday or stay around and see what see what was going to happen to this Man United thing you know so um, I, I'd had a feel of reserve football, so I decided, listen, sink or swim, go and play league, league um, first-team football at Leicester, and that's what I did. So I played on Saturday and um, became a Leicester player then, you know? Mm. And, you know, the, those sort of conversations, you're still young. Did, mm. Was there, did you have advice? Would you no. be ringing the parents and saying, what do you make of this? Or, or just you had to be a man, maybe, as Aaron yeah. has, has I think to? For me, what I remember was, again, I was just took it on board. I, I said, yeah, I, I've been frustrated. Because it was there, football can be, listen, you're playing in good grounds. You might get 15, 20 tells if it's Man U playing against Man City. You're playing with good players against good players. Mm. It has that, but it's not first in football. And you've, you've, you've outgrown it. You've been there three years and you want to try and, push on if you can um, so I sort of made a decision myself I might have said I might have rang the parents and said I was going I had no I don't know whether I hadn't heard but I, from what I remember none of the lads that we used to talk to when we were going away said I'm going to ring the agent next week see what he thinks mm. you know that it was it's in now everybody that's turned 15 now has an agent whether they're going away or not mm. but at that time no and, I, and then from a professional point of view I mean listen agents do make things happen um, but this was this, this, this move came anyhow and um, I, I, I took up, I took up, um, you know, the Leicester offer and went there, and I spent a year and a half there um, under both um, Brian Hamilton and then later on David Plea. So, and then David Plea was very good. To, you talk about um, coaching influence in terms of playing football and wanting to play football. He was really interested in terms of, you know, playing out from the back, playing through midfield, dynamic football, all about movement, all about skill levels. 
Um, so it would have been my cup of tea, but I didn't play. Um, at that stage, I, I, I was in and out of the team as well because he had in midfield, he had a, he, 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 a player called Gary McAllister, who was centre midfield. And at that time, I was trying to progress my, my football into, into a more centre than a wide player. And um, if I got into lesser team, it was usually out wide. But, um, you know, we could talk about that another time. I always found it difficult um, being a wide player in a 4-4-2 at that age. I didn't think I had the pace to do it. Um, I was probably more like Sheedy being out there than, you know, a Damien Duff. Or a, and I always remember, I always remember when I later played for Middlesbrough and I was on one wing with not great pace, but could pass and vision. And on the other wing, they'd Stuart Ripley. And every time Stuart Ripley got the ball, who later became an, he would just knock it and go. And he would go past. He, he'd light up the place, you know. And I just felt, I can't do that over here, you know what I mean? And I just mm. don't know whether I felt um, vulnerable um, mm. in that time and space. Um, and that was once, for example, when I later came back and I thought, you know what? You never, you would never go to a coach and speak about this, you know? You would just, generally, I found, you trained, you played, you trained, you played. It was there was no training the brain, so to speak. There was no mm. psychology aspect mm. of whether it be homesick or whether it be um, sure. or yeah. how you're suffering on the pitch. Um, that wasn't open to us then, you know. And I think I, I probably suffered with that and with the homesick more than anything else mm. um, yeah. to get to get to get the grips with to really, I would say, fulfil any potential that I might have had, you know. Sure. Um, Do you know the, um, just go back to the point that John Morling made about how you how you deal with success and failure, but I suppose you have to define what success is to begin with. So, Aaron, how did you do that? What 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 was going to make you a success while you were there? What did it mean? Did it mean playing in, in, in a particular first team, playing so many appearances? What, what was it? What what deemed what was your benchmark for being I'm gonna I am I am yeah. successful here? Well, my benchmark initially was to play for Stokes first team. Because mm. I think you know when we signed, when, when you go over, you know real, you know, you, you know real knowledge of what it's all about. Like, I mean, we we we've come from being talented, talented schoolboys at you know good clubs in Dublin, and we now arrive on the biggest scene of all in, in the UK. And you know, you're 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 trying to you're sort of, when I say you're trying to learn the language, I don't mean learn the language in terms of a different language, but you're trying to, you know, fit into an area where you're not familiar with. You're trying to mix with lads that you're, you're getting to know for the first time. Once you get into that sort of youth setup, once you get into that youth setup, it was everybody's goal at that stage to try and play for the first team. And there was one or two people probably, you know, making it there earlier than you, and you were always a little bit jealous of it. Um, but again, Aaron, little... Aaron, when when do, when do you realise that all your mates are now your competition? When when does that kind of penny drop, or or does it drop? Do you realise, God, yeah. I'm actually competing with all these lads who are? No, I, I I'd never say yeah. I'd never say that they were your competition because hmm. your mates, a lot of your mates were playing in different positions than you. Okay. So if, if if one or two of them got into the first team, you know, in a position, you know, you would you would always be delighted for them. Like, hmm. but just wanted you, you know, you, you had that little bit of ambition. Can I be that player? Can I be the next player? Can I be the next player? Can I be the next player? Um, and, and that would have been, you know, your thoughts at the time. Like, so it, it wasn't the case. I never, I never looked at it as competition against the other boys. Right. The competition that I would have looked at it, it was against myself to make sure that I was improving every day hmm. to get the feedback from the coaches. Um, when they asked me to go out on loan initially, I had, to, you know, I didn't have to think too much about it. I said, look, is that going to help me get into the first team? And hmm. you know, the feedback from the club and the coaches at the time was, look. 
you know, it's going to be a tough experience for you. But when you come back, you'll see the benefits. All that sort of but Aaron, stuff. do you did you did you have a personality that could ask those questions? Like, do you have to push that to say, you know, how is this going no. to benefit me, or was that culture there that they'd help you? In? I was a confident young man. Um, I'm still a little bit naive in, in, in certain areas. There's no doubt about it. Like, and you know, if, if we had had a little bit more, I suppose, advice from as Martin says there, from um, you know, from agents, uh, and, and maybe have a little bit more options at the time because the, that was the only option we had was to go to the UK. There was no such thing as as, as Martin says going to a European club. I mean, if you look back at the time, I think the flights to the UK at the time was about three hundred and eighty quid, three hundred and seventy quid. And it was pre 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 Ryanair. It was pre Ryanair, and it was. I think the first contract I signed. I got them to put in six paid flights home and back for me. Right. My parents used three of them, or four mm. of them even. Like, and then so it's, which allowed me to go home or at Christmas time and laid me to go home in the summertime. Mm. And then the other four I used to give to my parents. And I gave one to me, uh, the, one of the lads who helped me come over to Stoke, Al O'Carney, who was a great influence as well, which I should have mentioned earlier. Mm. So it was, it was, you know, I, I would have been, you know, I would have been at an age saying skipper in the school teams. I would have been at an age where skipper and the side in Lourdes, um, so you're quite, and, you know, quite mature. Yeah, I, I yeah. would have felt I was a little bit more, you know, even albeit I was in October, I was born in October, I would have been one of the, a little bit more of those early maturities, like, you know. And then, as I said, they're making of me, there's no doubt about it, it was that long because initially I, I was only back two weeks. I think it was back at the club two weeks after that three month long period. And I was put straight into the first team against Aston Villa away. And, and uh, you couldn't even, like, at that time, I didn't, I don't even, I didn't ring my parents because. I was nearly in shock at it at the time. And the game just passed you by. When I think back at it and I look back at it now and I look at the teams and stuff like that, like there's not a lot. I remember running out onto the pitch and sort of looking up and, you know, standing back like, and then next minute the game's over. Like, so it was, it was a blur. There's no doubt about it. Like, um, and that was, a diff, you know, it was the next day. I think I spoke to my parents and I said, oh, by the way, it just made me debut. And to them, it didn't really sort of sink in with them either, you know, the, the achievement that they'd made at that stage. Like, so... Mm. Um, but it became more apparent then when we, there was a couple of clips of the paper and I sent them over. You used to have to post them back at that stage. Mm. It used to take the, you'd send them over, take four days to get over and another four. Yeah. As you said earlier, it's not like today where it would be everywhere. You know, it was, you know, the, the publicity around it, the media around it. Yeah, it's just it's totally different. Martin, just going back to um, when you were saying about playing possibly out of position or, or maybe not playing in, in your best position. Is is there an element of luck looking back on it? Like when you call it when you call it luck or timing as well, you know, mm. you don't know. I mean, mm. um, I think when you get to a certain level, Paul, when when you get selected by a professional club, you're at a certain level. Whatever. If you you know, if you if you're selected, they say from Bayer Stoke or Manchester United or Leeds United, there's not very generally not loads of difference between certain players, you know. They just might see it. There's no, I mean, for me, the, the likes of Messi is and Ronaldo's are five percent. You know, mm-hmm. um, everybody else is in the ninety-five percent. You know, and and um, in terms of, play, for example, when I went to Manchester, when I went to Manchester, I always remember sitting around the dressing room, and you do you ask for competition, because again, there is competition in terms of when lads are going from apprenticeship to professional. Do you get a professional contract? So the lads are coming into their second year apprenticeship. And they're saying, I wonder will I get a pro contract, you know? So there's, there's that was always competitive. And, and it is that intensity that once you go from schoolboy environment into any professional thing, the intensity is there. Now, I remember seeing a few players that think, he's a good player, you know? And it didn't happen for me United. I'll give you an example. With David Platt. So David Platt was in our U team as a centre forward. 
and I was a wing, winger at the time at Man U. So I would put the ball in the box and you knew Platy would rise above and bang, head the ball in. You play the ball to Platy from 30 yards, he'd take on his chest, he'd join in, he'd play it all somewhere. The problem with Platt at United was that there was two strikers ahead of him, Norman Whiteside and Mark Hughes. So he was, and they were roughly a year older than him. So unless something happened to them, he wasn't going to get a contract ahead of them two guys. Mm. So he had to reroute his career to go to Crew, which Aaron's aware of, to then be pulled back into playing a midfield position, who at the time becomes a scoring midfielder. So he's no longer a centre forward where he's played for three years in a row. But what he's doing is he's using those attributes as a forward by getting into the box from midfield. And suddenly now he's, he's one of the best scoring midfielders in the lower divisions and go, the rest is history. So that's what Alan McLaughlin would be another one who would have only played a certain amount of time. And, um, you know, sad to hear recently that yeah, Alan, no, absolutely. Of, of, yeah. of Alan's, you know, death and the, but I remember with Alan, honest lad that played ever so well in, 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 in tra- training, trained really hard, wasn't getting the amount of time playing in, in, in the U teams or the reserve teams as, as, as any of the other lads. So the decision came for Alan had to go. So he goes to Swindon and he goes back a few leagues, plays at Swindon. Again, also becomes the one thing Alan had was an engine that he could do that run time and time again. So in Swindon, again, another goal scoring midfielder and then goes back up the ladder, becomes... Um, a million pound player I think was at Portsmouth and then a full Ireland national um, doing the stuff that he would have been doing at Man United but not and not been put on the same platform you know what I mean mm-hmm. he didn't suddenly develop he didn't didn't develop for me a different skill set but his skill set just went into a into a team that utilised it and you know put him in the limelight so they were two players that I would have said all the stuff they had at Manchester you know they had to go somewhere else to be seen, you know, in, in its true form. The Grassroots Coach. Conversations for grassroots soccer enthusiasts.